0: this podcast is proudly produced and presented by the zoomer podcast network home of great podcasts like Marilyn lightstone reads idea city on the air and the garden show you're listening to an exclusive podcast of the naz and wally sports hour heard sunday mornings at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740
1: the world doesn't need another sports show it needs an awesome sports show You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, decked out in Toronto Maple Leaf. Regalia this morning, Naz Marchese.
0: Toronto Maple Leaf, Buffalo Bills, Alabama. Uh, you got it all, the co- and the
2: Raptors. You got it all covered today, Naz. Good uh, morning, so, Wally. good morning, Naz. Uh, joining us in studio this morning, former Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Washington Capitol. I think that's where he had uh, the bulk of his really good years. Of course, I'm talking about Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you? Morning, gentlemen. It's. Uh it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Lou's back from summer hiatus. Uh, Lou, uh, uh, we, we missed you around here. Uh, certainly uh, thrilled to have you in this morning. We can uh, get started on some topics that are near and dear. Uh, just a little programming note coming up. Uh, middle of the hour, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, Joe Bowen. Guys, uh, why don't we, uh, since we got uh, since we got Lou in studio this morning and we'll uh, be substantial leaf talk with uh, with with Joe. Uh, a point that uh, we always have fun with, and alluding to your uh, Alabama uh, paraphernalia this morning, Naz, uh, Of course, we've got two uh, two Alabama guys in the studio, Naz and Lou, and uh, I'm the fighting. I'm I'm defending the honor of the Fighting Irish. Uh, let's talk a little bit college football. I know when we get Joe on the line, we'll we'll get uh, we'll get get him to talk about the Irish a little bit, but. Uh, Season so far is it unfolding as you guys would have expected. It's always the same teams. Uh college football in a lot of ways has become incredibly predictable. Uh it's always the same teams there. It's Clemson, it's Alabama, it's Ohio State, it's LSU, it's Auburn, Oklahoma. Uh the odd time the uh the Irish throw themselves in the middle of the uh, the middle of the discussion but uh, nothing seems to have changed. Naz
0: yeah, so it all has to do with recruiting, right? They're the number one schools, and they get the best players, and that's what happens. Those that—that's why the teams are the way they are. Is
2: that and, good? Or, is that good or bad for college football? I mean, I mean, I mean. Obviously, it seems to be good because there's there seems to be a huge interest. Ratings are probably up. Uh, you know, you go to one of these college football games, and it's 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 an incredible experience. Um. So certainly, from a fan point of view, it doesn't seem to hurt. But uh, it's it's the same. It's the same four, five, six teams, Lou. It, it really is, and
3: uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, not really for me because with, with me following Alabama, I I pretty follow I follow them very well. Uh, on on the recruiting end of it, uh, I know there's a lot of players out there that that transfer that more or less commit and decommit, uh, Bama this weekend or. Just in the last 10 days, uh, had a decommitment from USC that probably the top dual quarterback in, in high school, Bryce Young. Uh, he's going to go to Alabama. So it, it's more or less when Tua leaves, this kid's going to step in and, uh, he's everything that every, everybody thought he was going to be. So it, it isn't and it isn't. Uh, it's the kids where they want to play. They want to play on where they're going to be exposed. They want to play for an national Why, championship game.
2: I, I, and, I and they want to go to the NFL. I get. I don't blame them, and right? Quite and frankly, most, but why, most of them are leaving after three years, too. You, you look at you look at college football at today. When I say today, like today, Sunday, uh, September twenty ninth, or whatever it is today, um, four of the top six teams in the nation are out of the uh, the Southeast Conference: LSU, Auburn, uh, Georgia, Alabama. Um, you know, there used to be a day. It may. It may You know, the power now is in the southeast of the United States and Ohio State throws their uh, throws them into throws their hat in the ring every now and then. And that seems to about, you know, and of course, we've got Clemson, of course, but that's literally to me, it's almost close to being southeast United States. USC hasn't been a power in what, 10 years? No. And they always used to be a power. Right. They used to be a power. Texas used to be a power. It used to be more spread out. Yeah. Stanford uh, I, used to be a power. Uh, Stanford, um, you know, it used to be spread out uh, Penn State. Pit even Pittsburgh in the Tony Dorsett days. Yeah. I mean, uh, used, to, but now it's all gotten concentrated down. And in, in the long term, is that good for college football in the states? I really don't know if it is
3: good for it. I guess as long as the ratings keep going up, it is going to be good for them. And it's really, it's a great job that the that the coaches are doing uh, out there recruiting the kids and putting uh, thoughts in the kids' heads that uh, the best place to be is a school that they're, they're coaching at. And this is the problem that Alabama's had, and I can only talk about them, is that every year their coaches, they leave. It's one and done. You know, they, they go to other jobs. They go to head coaching jobs. They go to uh, uh, professional jobs up in the National Football League. Uh, so it's harder for the kids to get to know kids and or get to know the coaches. So the relationship between the coaches and and players are very, very important right now. And if you have a stable uh Force of of coaches that are going to be there for a number of years. You're going to have a lot better chance, like Clemson has, because their their offensive corner and defensive corner have been there for the last five or six years, and they've had lots of opportunities to leave. But they have a different atmosphere over there than Alabama.
2: You know, Nick brings them in. It's all uh, it's all about recruiting at the end of the day. It, it, so at the end of the day, you know, yeah. up until uh, yeah. what what what's is his Dabo Swinney? Is that his? Yep. the coach Clemson. Yep. Clemson, you know, Clemson was a. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have considered them one of the elite of college football historically. Uh, I mean, they won a national championship, I think, in the early '80s. I think the fridge yeah. was there, yeah. right? Uh, not not but, that year, but they did win it. Uh, they did win. They yeah, win it, uh, but the, yeah, they. I can't remember. I think Georgia was, and uh, I'm, I'm confusing them with the early '80s Georgia team with Herschel Walker. But Clemson, to me, has not been historically one of the great. College football programs, let's say fifty, sixty, seventy years, like like Notre Dame is, like Alabama is, like USC is, like Texas is, uh, but they they manage to uh, Dabo comes in and he turns a program completely around. And is that what college football is all about, Naz? It, it, sometimes it's not just about it's 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 all about recruiting. It's about it's about, all about, recruiting. It's about yeah. Sabin. It's For about sure. it's about getting out there, and you know you turn, and everybody wants to be part of a winning yeah, program. Yeah, the one
0: thing I don't like is the blowouts. There's a lot, a lot of blowouts, and it's pretty tough to watch. And Alabama's at fifty points. Uh, I, I, that. I, I and that's it, the problem. He, he
3: makes a good point there. Yeah, I, I think the power five teams. I think they should play each other a lot more than they actually are. I understand the part you got to play so many. I mean, teams it's ridiculous. In your conf- yeah, in your it's conference, it's ridiculous, right? You know, and you, you know, but they get paid. They, they, like. <laughs> Certain teams, yeah, Alabama, get, yeah. will go to uh, to NASA school and say, "Okay, listen, I'll give you a million dollars if you bring your school over to play us." Okay, fine, thank you. Right? They come in, they get blown out. It, it's good for the.
2: It's good for, for the, the for program the st- of the it, team that uh, right. gets blown out because right. all of a sudden New Mexico's playing Notre Dame, you know, uh, yeah, on television. On television, yeah, and <laughs> and, they, and they get paid enough that probably pays for their entire program for You're the right. entire year, right? That's right. But it, you know, yesterday. Uh, you know, we're in the thick of the college season, and there's only – I believe there was only two games that involved uh, top 25 teams. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame and Virginia. Virginia was a good team. I can't remember the other
0: Wisconsin. one.
2: Wisconsin Wisconsin and Northwestern? Yeah, Northwestern, yeah. Okay. So I'm saying to myself, like, you have to create something. You know, you can't have the – the. and I don't know who uh, Alabama – they killed Ole Miss yesterday. Ole Miss. Yeah, but then yeah. that's a conference team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you've got to have the big boys going head-to-head all season long, and, it, I, and it's not happening until the end when, when, when you're playing in the SEC title game or, or the Big Ten title game or something like that.
3: And that, and that hurts also the program because you're, you're not getting enough reps with your, with your first team, and when it comes to crunch, now you're, you're asking everybody to play four full quarters, and they're not adapted to do it because you've only played your first team probably halfway through the third quarter. Uh, that's the problem that Alabama had last year. But again, it, it's whatever teams have the depth; those are the ones that are going to go further. You look at Nick Saban; he's I think he's got probably six head coaches out there that were assistants under him that grab things from him and bring them out to the to, to the schools that, that they go to. So it, it really it's how can I say it? The kids want to go to a school that they're one go to the NFL, two that they're going to play on TV. And three, they're going to compete for a a number one job. That's why there's so many transfers right now is because the kids are realizing, well, there's no way, hope in hell that I'm going to, if I can say that, uh, that I'm going to get a shot at the number one uh, first string team. I'm going to have to fight for it. And that's what uh, Nick Saban, that's what uh, Sweeney does. That's what uh, Jeremy Pruitt does down in Georgia. Uh, It's just that they bring enough depth in to have these kids fight for a job instead of entitlement.
2: Well, I mean, you might know this. You might know the answer to this more than I do, Naz. Okay, you have got a program in in, uh, in Alabama that, without question, has been the top college program. Um, you guys will suggest of all, years. of all time. Uh, certainly the last ten fif- years, fifteen years, ten years since the Saban got there. May, maybe prior to uh, Alabama, uh, in the nineties, it was probably Miami and Florida State. And then when Saban got there, Alabama, Florida was the and Florida, Alabama, with, with Florida, with, uh, and, Florida and Florida. I mean that it was concentrated in Florida for probably most of the late eighties and nineties, yeah. and then Alabama and the SEC took over. Um, not that you know the SEC teams have always been at the at the top of college football, but Nas, we have. Uh, college football concentrated in the Uni- southeast United States. Are all the kids from that area? No. Is Alabama recruiting from all over the. Are, are, from are, all are, over. Are, are, are kids from, from Northern California going to LSU yes, yes, or, yes, or Alabama? Yes, yes. So they're just not attracting yeah. local talent. They're attracting no. talent from all over the United States.
0: Yeah. That's correct. The, Alabama has over 40 players playing in the NFL. 40. That's a lot of players. And of course, the kid's going to go to Alabama. A good kid's going to go to Alabama for sure.
2: And, and, and uh, Lou, you, you always bring up these points. You understand maybe this a little bit better than I do. Uh, they rank these players. They call them four stars and five stars. And they actually rank the recruiting classes. Yes, they do. And they rank the recruiting classes based on whether they're recruiting uh, five stars are the top of the top. And then I guess the four stars are the next level. And all the five stars seem to congregate in 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 certain programs? they What happens is
3: there's probably 30 to 35 uh, top five-star players, and what they do is they… Per year. Per per year.
2: In all the high schools all in, across in all, the yeah, United
3: States. And I get a list of the 247 uh, composite. They list 300 players. I'd say the top 35 are all five-star. The rest are all four-star. And then there's the three-stars that, that, that are still good, and if you can get really a good three-star to come in and play it's even better um, and it, what happens is most of these kids you very rarely do you find two or three of them go depending on position to go to one school so what happens is that they go to most of the schools in the in the, in the southern uh, US uh, the, the best ball players come out of Florida Georgia has been uh, very very good in bringing out high school kids. You got Mississippi down there, Tennessee, you, you got Tennessee. Tennessee, you got Louisiana, you got Texas, you got Oklahoma and you got California. Those are probably the top the top 6 6 or 7 states with the, most of these players come out of. And they all they all I don't know how to explain. They all they talk to each other a lot. They try to recruit each other a lot. But at the end of the day, amongst want- the
2: players themselves, yeah, well, they become like professional basketball players. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but this is in
3: high school. Yeah, but they want to go to a, to a program that they're going to get a chance to be a number one starter in their freshman year. Some of them, the elite players, do, and some of them don't. You yeah. you get to, you get to see some guys that are ranked in the top ten uh, in high school and flop, and then you get a kid that's in the over two hundred and fifty to three hundred or wasn't even rated. Uh, to be a five star and be a first round pick. And that's, that's their objective at the end of the day is
2: send me to a coach that's going to develop me to be a first or second round pick. Anyways, uh, we're going to continue football talk, but we're going to change gears a little bit, Nas. Uh, there's, uh, there's something uh, going on down in Western New York, uh, that's attracted a little bit of attention amongst us Buffalo Bills fans. Mm-hmm. The Bills are 3 and 0. And um, although I, I can't say that they really beat anybody yet, uh, but they got a big one today. Uh, Tom Brady and the Pats and Belichick, they're coming into uh, Orchard Park. I, I don't even remember the name of the stadium anymore. Is ERA. New, New Era. New e- Era. Whatever it's called, but it's an Orchard Park. I know where it is. I've been there. Uh, didn't we go to an Elton John concert there one time? Yeah, one time. I think we did. <laughs> it was Rich Stadium in those days, wasn't it? Rich Stadium. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember those days, Lou? <laughs>
3: uh I've never been to a football game at uh in Buffalo. I never been to a football never. game in Buffalo. It's you quite it's quite in an Buffalo, experience. You never been a game? No, never. Wow.
2: Anyways, nope. uh let's let's go back to uh having having uh, introduced uh, that uh big game down in uh down in Buffalo this afternoon, uh, set it up for us now. I think
0: it's going to be a defensive struggle, and it's going to be a low-scoring game. And the, I, I don't know if the Bills have it to win it today, but mm-hmm. it'll be close. But their defense is very good, buff, Buffalo's. How and important is, New England down. yeah,
2: it's it's been a long time, uh, seemingly, that we've had, I don't know if you want to call it a buzz, about a Buffalo-Bills game. Yeah. Um, I mean, they. What have they? I think they've only made the playoffs once since 1999, or something like that. Once in
0: 19 years.
2: Once, and that was what? Two years ago? Two years ago. It was ago, two yeah. years ago, and they lost to the Jags, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Bills' history in in, in since the year 2000 hasn't been that great, and now we've got this. And the, the 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 issue with the Buffalo Bills for for the longest time has been quarterback. We never had. We haven't had a franchise quarterback in buffalo since jim kelly um i'm not so sure i mean i lo- i did love doug flutie as a quarterback i think they made a mistake when they replaced him with that other rob guy Johnson. rob Johnson. i thought that was a mistake um i don't think you can call doug flutie a franchise quarterback he certainly was in the cfl can't say you can give him that moniker in the nfl so the the the, the, the bills have lacked what what successful teams in the nfl need which is quite frankly a franchise quarterback um josh allen is showing flashes and he's got a big test today
0: you know who he reminds me of john elway a lot oh man you're stretching it there Ness. no no the way the, the way the his structure is as a quarterback he reminds me of john elway young john
2: a uh, young john elway wow oh wow but uh how important of a game is this for the Buffalo Bills? They're seven and a half point underdogs. Um, there are various ways they can win this game. They can win this game by, by scoring more points than the New England Patriots. Um, although most NFL coaches would disagree with me, there are possibilities of moral victories if they can keep this game close and they can hold their own against the Patriots. Um, your thoughts on how important a game this is for the Bills? Very
0: important that they keep it close, and uh, they're 3-0. They could be 3-1 after today. Realistically, New England's unstoppable uh, at the beginning of the year. I think uh, it'll be good if they keep it close.
2: Oh. Louis, you're not, I know you're not a Bills fan. No, I'm not. <laughs> NFL wise, who's your team? I it used to be the Cleveland Browns,
3: and then they went to Baltimore, and I just forgot about them.
2: So you you you, I'm, you I'm a lack you lack a rooting yeah. interest these days. Yeah, I do. So I, we can uh, follow, we, we uh... can bring you over to the Buffalo Bills site.
3: <laughs> yeah, if you want, and you can bring me over to the uh, was it the Mafia site?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so your impression of the
3: Buffalo Bills so far? I really like their defense, uh, obviously with uh, McDermott coming over uh, and bringing that defensive uh, atmosphere or, or temperature. Uh, they've done a great job on playing defense. I think today's game is probably try to keep the game as, as close as they possibly can and uh, Josh Allen was one of the top five quarterbacks that I thought coming out of the, out of his class. Uh, it's just a matter of putting him in in the, in the right program um, if they can keep it close and they can you know anything can happen then. Uh but I think the defense are gonna match up against really well against New England um and we'll just have to wait and see how Brady comes out and see if Edelman's playing.
2: Everybody talks about this Bill's team or the local uh local buzz on this bill's team is that they have that the strength of the team's in the defense. Tell us a little bit about their defense now why why where where are they strong which players are 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 potential Pro Bowl players on the Bills' defense? The best
0: player on their defense is Edmonds. He's an unbelievable linebacker and uh, probably going to be rated top five at the end of this year. He's that good. He's the key to that whole defense. He is a second-year player, and he is very quick and a very good defensive player.
2: The rest of the defense?
0: I like their line. Um, The defensive backs are good. The corners are good. The pretty good defense. But the offense is underrated, too. It's improved a lot. They have Beasley at wide receiver and John Brown, which they didn't have last year. And they have added some speed at the wide re- receiver position. So it looks good for, for them today. And they'll keep it close. They never argue sports. They
1: just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. In downtown Toronto, we simulcast on 96.7 FM. And on the internet, we live video stream, www.zoomerradio.ca. You can watch us on the internet. There's a fantastic little app for your iPhone and for your Google phone, so... uh uh, if you want to watch us that way, you can do it that way as well. Uh, gentlemen, I noticed in that little introduction, uh, some of the wording to our show is, uh, it says the boys are back. Of course, Frank and Naz and I. And, uh, that reminded me of a little incident down in Scottsdale, Arizona that they were talking about and, uh, talking about boys and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and hijinks. Uh, we can laugh about it. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, I, I say that sports, sports more in in this Twitter age, in this age of iPhones, and this age of phones Instagram. with cameras yep. and Instagram. Sports is really becoming a reality show. So we're, you know, uh, the NFL's in its hundredth season, and we've spent half of the time talking about Antonio Brown and some of some of his hijinks, and we're trying to get ready for the Toronto Maple Leaf season. And we get blindsided. Kyle Dubas gets blindsided. And Austin Matthews gets himself in an incident, uh, an alleged incident, because this is still before the Arizona courts. Apparently, there's a court hearing on October 22nd. He's apparently been charged with disorderly conduct. Um I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, boys will be boys. I don't think this is, uh, as our prime minister says, this is 2019. That's uh, that's not something that explains anything anymore. His alleged behavior uh, was something that is improper. Not sure. It's, I'm not sure it's a criminal charge. I don't think we're talking about criminality, uh, but disorderly conduct. Lou, as a former player. I'm sure you've probably been witness to worse in your day, uh, some of which you probably uh, has is protected by the player's code of silence. So we certainly won't ask you to betray any confidence this morning uh, in terms of what may have happened in your day. um, But your reaction to this incident and from the historical perspective. um, Your thoughts. It's 2019, that's all I
3: can say. It's more or less, this 10, 15, 20 years, it would have been washed up under the the rug. Um, We as athletes cannot do anything anymore that is inappropriate to the law. I think this incident with Austin Matthews, he was being a kid. Uh, I'm not sure how far he went to breaking into the vehicle or wanting to break into the vehicle. It's a misdemeanor. Uh, It's probably a slap on the wrist, but it's an eye-opener for for anybody out there. Uh, The thing that I don't like is that he tried to hide it from the Leafs instead of letting them know back in May when it happened, and he got his father involved in it uh, to try to persuade the so-called security guard to keep it under wraps. Um, But again, it just goes to show you that we, even as people... Uh, There's really nothing that we can get away with anymore, whether it happens now or whether it happens 10 or 15 years ago. It's going to come out and it's going to bite us. Nas, your reactions to the whole story? The
0: the, the tapes don't lie. It sounds to me like it happened the way they're saying. Um, It would have been better off if he had just admitted it at the time that it, it happened and move on because we do forgive. Our society is a forgiving one. And he would have been forgiven right away. Now he has to go through all the court cases and everything else. And it's going to be a difficult time for him.
2: Yeah, I, I well, think...
0: Go ahead,
3: Luke. Especially now that the Leafs are about to name a captain. I, I think that's going to knock him down a few pegs.
2: Um, I, I don't think there's any question about that. And we had that this discussion. Nas, I, I certainly felt, irrespective of this issue, that Tavares should have been the captain. Uh, and we can have... Uh, We can have that debate, Lou, uh, from the perspective of of a player. Number one, how important – and and just to wrap up the Austin Matthews debate um, uh, or discussion, it's not a debate. um, I couldn't agree with you more. In this day and age, uh, these athletes, doesn't matter how – you know, you you sign an $11 million contract. You know what? You can't and you can't go out there and act like a, a teenager, and and that may be <laughs> that's it. and I, I don't even want to use that moniker because certain behavior you just you, you you don't go around in public, in today's day and age, or in I guess probably in any day and age, and and start dropping your pants and start intimidating uh, a woman who's just doing her job. She's out there at 2 o'clock in the morning doing her job as security for the residents that that, uh, either he lived in or some of his friends lived in. Um, You know, there's a message there. Uh, Hopefully, uh, it's learned. Uh, Hopefully, the rest of the players around the league uh, get it. And be careful with your booze. Be careful with... uh, with the other substance that's now legal in Canada and in in a lot of other states. And you know what? And the other lesson in this, you know what, if you're, if your buddy, like he's out there with a bunch of buddies that night. Right. And if your buddies make an $11 million and, and he's known around the world, maybe as a friend, maybe as a friend, you sort of protect them a little bit. Um, If he had been my buddy, um, I would have been careful. What situation I would have exposed him to? I would have made sure he never got to that point. But again, your buddies are
3: are half in the bag also. And yeah. what would have happened? Would would he be still getting this kind of inf- notoriety if this happened in Toronto? You don't think the
2: if it happened in Toronto, I uh, I, I would think it'd be. F- Five hundred times worse, wouldn't you it? Think so. Remember when oh, it yeah. happened, Eric Lindros? Do you remember the cuckoo li- banana? Cuckoo banana. Remember the that one actually went to trial. It was no, it was, I didn't remember. Yeah, it was. He 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 was alleged to have poured beer on a woman in in, in, a, in a bar. I think it was in, in Whitby, in Oshawa? Oshawa? Yeah, cuckoo bananas. He got charged for throwing beer, dumping beer on a woman, and he he uh, Eric's point was that she dumped beer on him. Uh, Went to trial and and he he got off um, or he was he was acquitted. That's a properly uh, a better proper term. He was acquitted of the charge. So he's never convicted. Uh, But that sort of reminded me of that. I think it'd be a hell of a lot worse if it was in Toronto. I really I do. Uh, you, You think otherwise, Lou? I, I don't know. I don't know what exactly happened. Did he drop his drawers
3: and he still had his underwear on and did he you know? Uh, those, the reports
2: are- I've read he dropped his drawers but he still had his underwear on and he grabbed his cheeks or whatever. That those are the allegations. It's going to court on October twenty second. I gotta think that there's gonna be some way of plea bargaining that, you know. Um he's gonna settle it, he's gonna do he's gonna pay a fine, he's gonna do some community service, and hopefully there's a lesson that's been sent to every other athlete in the in the NHL, guys, you know what, you're in public. Be careful what you do. I I guess so now. (laughs) Be be careful. Don't don't resort to this type of behavior. It's I'm not sure it was ever acceptable, but it's even less acceptable nowadays. And, And I say that and I say that with the greatest you know, we all did stupid stuff when we were younger that, you know, we didn't have camera taping us. We didn't have anybody uh, videoing us we'd have anybody tape uh you know taping our voices and maybe from that point of view we were lucky uh well you know a lot of people do stupid things when they're younger that they regret he did it he got caught hopefully a- he learns from it and a, a lesson's been sent so why, to every why other. You, young why, why
3: does it come out five months after the fact instead of why didn't it come out right in may
2: Uh, that's an, that's, uh, that's an interesting, uh, interesting question you pose, which we will, uh, probably find out as this story further develop develops. And I know the Toronto Maple Leafs must Dubas must be so upset. Um, and Brian Burke made the comment on one of the shows, the other, uh, just gonna wrap this up. We've got to go to break. Um, Brian Burke make, made the comment on, uh, primetime, I believe this week is the first, the first phone call you make is to the team. That's the first phone call you make. The second phone call you make is to your, uh, to your parents and maybe the third one to your agent. Dubas got caught and he got put in an unfair position. And that's probably the, that may be the bigger mistake that Austin Matthews made here. You know what? You go to your team, you explain it, they're going to help you out. They're not the enemy.
3: You he, know, went, he,
0: he went to his agent first. Yeah. And, uh, and
2: then he got his dad
0: involved, Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: which is the, the last thing he Whatever.
2: did. Whatever. Uh, Dubai should have known about it. He should not have been blindsided by the, by the press. And that was completely unfair to him. Uh, completely unfair to him and, the, and to the Toronto Maple Leaf organization.
3: One more question. If it would have happened to anybody else, where would they be
0: today?
2: Well, I, I've got to think the NHL has got to look into this. Yep. Uh, they're probably going to wait for the process to work out. Uh, I think. I think at some point in time, uh, Austin Austin could be looking at a game or two here uh, if the NHL wants to send a message. And I think they should. I think they should. I um, think they should. Time will tell. You know what? They're accountable for their behavior uh, outside the arena. It happened to Kuznetsov. And um, and this is this falls below the standard. That's ex- thats expected from an NHL player, and I think there have to, there has mm-hmm. to be consequences, uh, and, and, and the message has to be be sent.
1: They're not here to be nice; they're here to be right. The boys are back. The Nas and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Good morning. Welcome back to the Only Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to the Only Sports Hour this morning the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Good morning, guys.
1: How are you today?
2: Good, Joe. Just to let you know, as usual, my sidekick Naz is here, and uh Franceschetti found his way down to the studio this morning, so we had to let him in.
1: There you go. He usually doesn't. If he's not there, he's in the alumni box. The man has a bed in there, I think. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Joe. I'm not saying
1: anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Joe, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, especially when these two Alabama testosterone craze guys are in the studio. I need I need some backup, Joe.
1: Uh, well, I'm the Irish the guy here. That, the only team that beat a ranked opponent uh, this week is uh, ours. So um, uh, yeah, they're playing pretty well, and I thought they had a good chance to beat Georgia. But uh, we'll uh, wait and see how it all plays out at the end of the year.
2: Uh we certainly. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get some backup uh, fighting Irish. But the big story this uh, coming up this week is the season is starting. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf season starts uh, against the Senators. Hope springs eternal. Everybody's hyped up. Uh, we're all trying to get our positions on the parade route down on Bay Street. Uh, Joe, you've uh, you've seen the games. Uh, we don't know how important preseason is, but what have you seen in this preseason that you can pass on to our listeners which would be optimistic?
1: Well, I I think the one thing that you have to be very, very impressed with is the depth of the organization. Um, uh, I think the the two Russian kids that they have brought over, uh, especially Mikheyev, um, are going to be a part of the team and bring with them uh, good size. They're all 6'3 or 6'4". Um, I think they're going to have a real good chance of sticking uh, with this hockey club throughout. Obviously, the core, uh, and it's been well documented how much they're being paid and everything else, is still um, one that a lot of teams in the National Hockey League are very envious of. But when you send, uh, really, an American Hockey League lineup that will play uh, and go to Montreal and beat uh, a lineup that has a lot of national hockey league talent in it. And then similar uh, similarly do it down in Detroit as well. I think you have to be very impressed with what the Marlies are going to look like this year too. So, um, I mean the, the, other than, you know, getting off to this lower start against Ottawa with the, the game in St. John's, but the last run to the, uh, eight games have, have been <laughs> pretty impressive, especially Frederick Anderson, who's, uh, gone, you know, almost three games without giving up a goal. So um, I think they're going to be fine. The whole idea of it is just get in. Uh, get in somewhere. And if you can have a real good regular season so that you sport home ice advantage, at least in the first round. Um, but you, the, the St. Louis Blues showed us that really uh, all you have to do is turn things around and have a good mental approach to the game. Get in and you never know what might happen.
0: Joe, does Jason Spessa have a job on this team?
1: Does he have a job?
0: Yeah. Is he going to make the team?
1: Oh, Oh, I thought, I thought your were if he was going to Stelco. <laughs> I don't know if he has a job. Uh, he's hoping to play on this hockey team. I, I think he has a spot to be honest with you. I think that his, uh, his uh, veteran leadership, and I think he's shown enough that he can adjust to the role that he would have to play. Um, so I, I think he does. Um, uh, it, it is going to be a very difficult day here uh, today. I'm sure this is the day that the management is really sitting down and and, and the arguments will start. Uh, the, the coaching staff will want someone. Uh, the management may want someone else. Um, and it's, and then it will end up being really too, uh, can we pit, uh, put the square peg that costs this much into that round hole over there so that it's going to... Uh, fit and and everything is going to fit because sometimes what you want can't be afford afforded at this particular time so that will be an interesting uh kind of byproduct of what has to go on in the in the, in the meetings that are going on uh certainly today
3: joe um how's uh cody cc and uh, and barry fit into the defense here and are the leafs going to be as quick as i see they are um or are they going to be quicker
1: well, they're going to be a lot quicker than you were, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think I think I think CC and Barry fit in very nicely. Um, uh, you I, I, you didn't notice Tyson Barry um, maybe early on in the camp and early on in the games, but uh, but I certainly noticed him a lot last night, uh, and and CC seems to have uh, really kind of just blended right in there and, and done a nice job with Morgan Riley. So uh I think both are going to be very um capable. Uh I think they both understand their role. They're gonna let uh CC's gonna let Morgan Riley just uh have his way whenever he wants to go go. Um he's gonna have to be the guy that kinda tends the forward at the back and make sure everything is tidied up. But I, I really think that the two of them are going to be uh, key components. Um you know is Tyson Berry better than uh, Jake Gardner? Well, we're, we're going to find out. Um, uh, he's certainly a very a, a terrific skater, the way Jake was as well, but uh, he's got a magnificent hockey sense, and it'll be interesting to see how he runs the second power play unit as well.
2: Uh, talking to Joe Bone, Joe, you've put me in the unenviable position to coming to Francis Getty's defense. Uh, it would be a first-time first time event that ever happened on this show uh Joe what,
1: you uh, think he was quicker <laughs> no
2: no I don't think he was oh. quicker but uh, this team may lack this team may lack actually lack some some a uh, skill set that uh, Franceschetti actually brought to some of the teams that he played he Lua, bought Lua. dinner no he you know he, he spent 11 12 years he managed to survive he did bring a little bit of grit and he was a, he was sort of a lunch pale Type of guy, and he would go into the corners, and he he'd and he'd, uh, and he'd elbow his way around to the front of the net. So he, he did bring a certain skill set on a very uh, low salary too, <laughs> and, yeah, he, and he, he managed affordable. to hang around for a long time. Yeah.
1: He, he, those skill sets were very affordable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they were, uh, but it's also it's also a skill set that some people are suggesting is lacking from this uh, Toronto Maple Leaf team. In and, and quotation marks, toughness. We always come back. Are the le- uh, is this team? Better, yeah, they seem faster. They've got a great top six. Uh, we've got some guys on the point now that can shoot right. Uh, but one of the criticisms over the last couple of years has been lack of sandpaper and lack of toughness. Is that still an issue, Joe? Uh,
1: not according to the coach, um, uh, some of the other people, possibly. I don't, you know, it the game is changing, really is, and 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 whether you Believe that or not, I'm I'm a little more old school and I probably agree with you. Um, but I mean, how many fights are there? Uh, that's that's not a skill set that's required anymore. Not so much the, skillset, the fighting, the skillset, but the skill set. Yeah. And I understand what you yeah. mean. I mean, I, and, and it's the the pushback yeah. uh, kind of thing that Nazem Kadri uh, was criticized for and subsequently traded because. Um, so the, the other aspect of it, and and I, and I'm, and I think the, the, the two big Russians will add to this is that their size, uh, is something that I think the Leafs need as well. Um, uh, whether they're, you know, a pushback kind of a player, I doubt that they are, but they, they very well meet maybe, but we haven't seen it yet. But the other aspect of it is, I mean, your pushback can also be your courage. If you're not going to be intimidated and you're not going to be, uh, you know, pushed around uh, and, and intimidated by changing your game because of that, then it really doesn't matter. But, um, you know, that's where people see the game changing. And uh, us uh, dinosaurs, and <laughs> I'll put Louie in that department as well. Well, we're all in um, that department. Th- yeah, yeah. The, the game, th- the game was different then. And yes, you did. And and let trust me, we talked about it uh, during the preseason. that after the first four games, there wasn't so much as even a, a, a pusher or, or anything. I said back in the '80s, there'd have been seven fights up to this point, and Wendell Clark would have probably been in five of them. So um, it's changed. It really has, and and it's changed for the better, health of the players overall, I suppose. If not, uh, it hasn't changed, maybe, or has changed for. Uh, the way some of us used to enjoy watching the sport, and I always said I really enjoyed the fights as long as I wasn't in one. <laughs> so um, that's that's where you know us dinosaurs have to kind of say, hey, well, you know what, it is changing, and maybe maybe they don't need the Ben Harper to be there to be tapped on the shoulder. So um, uh, that's that's where it is, and we'll see.
0: Joe, your thoughts on the play of Rasmus Sandin? so far
1: i am very impressed with him um the issue that may come up is the monetary issue uh can we bring him up uh and burn a year uh and 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 then the salary cap or is there an issue where we could keep someone and he could go and play another year in the american hockey league and play extraordinarily well and it certainly wouldn't hurt him by any stretch of the imagination to play 30 and 40 minutes a night almost at the American Hockey League level but he's he's very very close now we, we you you think back to other past years and there was Boardman and everybody oh yeah he's ready to go he's ready to go well in a month later he ain't here so um I they have to be careful with him uh i think they have to be uh err on the side of caution uh he's just 19. um so let's not force him into a situation unless he is forcing us to make that decision and that will be another big hot topic to be discussed in the boardroom today but i'd you'd love to be a fly on the on Uh, the wall because it's going to be very interesting and and there'll be a lot of uh, different points of view on it. And then, monetarily-wise, it'll be another decision to have to be made there.
2: Uh, Joe, uh, one last question, and we'll let, you, we'll let you get on with your day. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we, we've talked about all the additions <laughs> that uh, guys are going to be skating around, all the new guys on the ice. Uh, there may be an addition that may be even more valuable than that. We'll see how time plays out. Uh, Paul McFarland. Behind the bench, I think, was brought in uh, for a couple of specific reasons. One, probably the power play more so than anything else. Uh, your impressions of what impact he has had on the team so far and what impact he may have on a go-forward basis?
1: Well, make, make no mistake that when practice is on, it's the head coach who is uh, looking after everything, and, and Mike Babcock has his tentacles and hands on everything. Now, Paul will t- tweak and do some different things, and I think uh, we were commenting last night that we saw some different things in the power play, uh, and it was quite successful, by the way, last night as well. Uh, more, more uh, net front presence, more side like the uh, Mikhaev, uh had done a, a wonderful job uh, in front of the net on a couple of opportunities. So more net front presence. Uh, it's not as predictable as it was a year ago at this point anyway. Um, I mean, now Marner's on the left side uh, as opposed to being on the right side last year. So uh, I think we're seeing some different, uh, different approach to it. Tyson Berry will add a dimension that uh, maybe uh, the Leafs didn't have, and that is a, a pretty good point shot on the second group. Um, so I, I think we're seeing some tweaks to it. But when you, I mean, John Tavares is going to live off the crease, and and he's going to live very, very richly uh, on this power play. One would think Austin Matthews with that wrist shot um, is going to, you know, benefit greatly from from Mitch Marner. Um, so I think we're going to see some things like that, and I I think what we're going to see is that it's not going to be as predictable as it got last year, and uh, I think that will be an important aspect that teams are going to have to. Uh, Wonder what's going on, and, and Paul McFarlane will be a big part of that.
2: Uh, we've been talking to Joe. Joe, you know how much we appreciate your time, and uh, we, uh, Naz and I, uh, we're trying to hang in. We want to see the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup, and even more importantly, we want to listen to it, uh, listen to your call when the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, and uh, hopefully it'll be this year. Anyways. Well,
1: let's just get into the damn final, <laughs> and we'll worry about it
2: then. Listen, Joe, <laughs> let's get into the first round. Ha- have a fed. Have a, fa- have a fantastic season. We'll be listening. Thanks so much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Take care. Always a pleasure. Joe Bowen. Uh, Lou, uh, I want to go back to a topic we, we, we discussed very briefly, the question of captaincy. And we we're talking about captaincy with the Washington Capitals. Um, how important is it for the Leafs to choose the right captain, or how much difference does it make, whether it's Austin Matthews, uh, John Tavares, or Morgan Riley? From the perspective of one of the one of the players being in the room with the guy who's wearing the C. Well, I think you got to you got to remember this is probably one of the most iconic
3: franchises in all of sports, so it's very important to get the right guy. Uh, Dion Phaneuf was not the right guy to be the captain here when he first when he got
2: why nominee.
3: why I just think he I didn't think he came with the proper leadership uh, qualities uh, f- from from Calgary. Uh, Brian Burke anointed him uh, as soon as he got here without knowing the type of player he was in the dressing room, the respect that you get
2: from other players in the dressing room. Um, Do you do do – and I'm sorry to interrupt here because we've only got a few minutes left and I got to make – I want – I'm really interested in your perspective on this as a former player. um, It's almost like I get the sense that, okay, management is appointing a captain. But the players know who the captain is, don't they? They know who the leader is on the team. Does management know? Because well, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get any sense whatsoever. We were two weeks ago. We're on the show. We're all talking about Austin Matthews going to be the captain. They were out in Newfoundland. They're all wearing Austin Matthews jerseys with C on. Two weeks later, it's like the world changed, spinned on its axis, and and I'm not surprised because I thought John Tavares, who was a captain with the New York Islanders as much seems to be projecting more leadership qualities than Austin Matthews. What's your perspective? Or Morgan Riley. Or Morgan Riley. I think Riley would be a great captain. Right. I, didn't, I didn't think Matthews is ready for it. I, I don't think he's ready
3: for it either. Uh, and it's got nothing to do with his background. Uh, I just don't...
2: Irrespective for, yeah, of what happened this yeah, week. It, we not, had you know this...
3: We're not disrespecting him as a player. I just... I don't know what kind of leader he is in that dressing room. Will, will he sit down and... Will somebody look up to him and say, "Okay, well, you're doing it the right way." We had Rod Langway. Rod Langway never said a word. He just led by example. He worked his asses off, uh, as ma- as many bad habits as he had. He was always the first one in the in the uh, dressing room every morning at practice, sca- uh, run riding the bike. Uh, but right now, I think it's either John Tavares because of the, the title that he had with the Islanders. The people, uh, the kids are going to look up to him. They were going to respect them, even the older, the younger kids. Or uh, Morgan Riley. Now you got to look at how much term do these guys have left. Morgan Riley's got three years left in his contract. Tavares has got six. You're not going to put one guy in there just for one or two years, even though uh, Matthews does have another four or five years
2: left. As your thoughts on? this?
0: Oh, I think this. John, John Tavares, Right from the beginning, I said that he should have been captain. Should have been captain last year. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. He's the leader of the team, and you can tell him in the interviews.
2: He, he seems to be. He, um, he, he,
3: more, I, I, it's either it's one and one, uh, one and one A with
2: Morgan Ryland and John Tavares. Uh, How much I, difference does a captain make? Like, what's what's the function of a captain in uh, is he is he a rallying point for the team? Does does he sit, you know, does he is he on people's asses when they're dogging it? Is he the conduit between the players and management uh, how important is a captain in an you NHL there, dressing room? Does it make any difference?
3: There's 30 different captains because, because you have 30 different personalities. You have Brendan uh, Gallagher out in Montreal, even though he's not a captain. Uh, the way he leads by example. Shane Weber leads but the way he leads by example. Then there's other guys that are a little bit more feistier. that They get in your face that, uh, that more or less uh, play really, really hard uh, emotionally. Where some guys are a lot more laid back and let the reaction speak. To pull the guy aside and listen, this is what has to be done because of the organization. Uh, some guys just walk into a room and the aura of him walking into yeah. a room. They command respect. They command respect. Yeah. So it's 30 different organizations or 31 different organizations have 31 different types of captains.
2: To, to me, the, I mean, I obviously never played professional sports uh, like you did, uh, Lou, but you know, Naz and I played, played some sports when we were younger and, uh, you know, the captain generally uh, was, on the teams that, that we played, Is like he's he's the guy that everybody respects. doesn't have to be the best player on the no, team. No, it doesn't have to be the best player. Right? Sometimes no. it is. Sometimes it's the best player on the team because a lot of times the best player on the team is also the hardest working player on the team. Like a guy like Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Like they you know, there's a reason why Sidney Crosby is the best player in, in the universe, or him and Connor McDavid, uh because he, he works harder than everybody uh, that's else. That's why Bob Gog has a tr- tough time looking down the
3: bench there and looking for a Lidstrom that's <laughs> for <Is> that
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean these guys are unassailable. It's just the, the, the respect they command. And yeah. Tavares to me and Riley uh, more or less the same. I, I just I see Tavares a little bit further. It's just like he is twenty nine years old. He's yeah, been through it before. and he's done it before, yeah. and he and he's done everything. He was uh, I believe I'd have to go back and check. Was he not captain of the Team Canada junior team? May have been. Was certainly a leader on the on on the Team Canada junior team when uh, you know he he was he was in the Olympics in two thousand and fourteen. Got hurt. Um, um, he just seems he. He gives me the aura of, of commanding respect. Just that's my sense Louis, of him.
0: Louis, does it mean more to be a captain of the Leafs than anywhere else? Like Philadelphia or well, Pittsburgh? He, he,
2: ten seconds, Lou.
3: Yes and no. Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, New York, Detroit. Original, original six, six teams. Original
2: six teams. Anyways, we're going to have to let it go at that. Nas, five seconds, last word. Go Bills. Go Bills. I knew you were going to say that. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.